Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We are into the final week before the big dance. We are inching ever so close to the magical tournament in March, and BetOnline has you covered with all the latest odds, totals, and props for basketball season. Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and get your 50% welcome bonus using our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of The Take It. Easy Podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is March 8th, according to my count. May not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is you may be listening. Today is a March Madness-centric show. We are less than a week away from the big dance. Tickets are being punched. College basketball is in the air, as well as NFL free agency and as well as NBA regular season basketball and also NHL if you're really into the NHL. But college basketball is in the air, and we will talk with our friend Razor Rosenthal, who handicaps all of the college basketball stuff about the serious college basketball stuff and actually informed conversation about college basketball instead of just the college basketball show that we did yesterday, which was LOL Duke and Sister Jean, which is, you know, me who hasn't been watching college basketball doing a college basketball show. So we'll get to that in a second. It's a really informed, fun podcast. Also, I try and derail it a little bit with uh, some wonderful talk about Georgia Tech basketball again. But we begin the show today by talking about Calvin Ridley, which all of a sudden has become a major talking point for real societal issues that reflect sports. One of the things that I love about sports is that sports reflect society very, very well. And Calvin Ridley is creating two of the big conversations around sports, which is gambling on sports now and a mental health conversation. Because for those who may or may not remember, we talked about Calvin Ridley back on the NFL Monday 7 or 8 show. It led off an NFL Monday. was the news on Halloween that Calvin Ridley was just walking away from the Falcons. That Calvin Ridley was not going to play football for the Atlanta Falcons for the rest of the season, or at least just step away from the team. It didn't say at the time the rest of the season, but what would end up being the rest of the season away from the Atlanta Falcons as part of a quote-unquote mental health break. And some of this stuff happens, especially more in the NBA now, where Kyle Lowry goes away for 20 games and we don't really know the reason why. Some of this stuff is happening more and more in sports. We just don't usually see it in the NFL. 
and we don't see it to a player that we know like Calvin Ridley. And so Calvin Ridley ends up walking away and Calvin Ridley misses the the rest of the season as he takes a mental health break and there's rumors that he requests a trade out of Atlanta and Atlanta is big is a big part of what's causing him anxiety or whatever his mental health issues may be. And then we find out that Calvin Ridley has been suspended an entire NFL season. An entire NFL season over gambling on games. Which the NFL rules of punishment and conduct are not so much based on any principle other than what is the best uh, end game for the NFL. You know, Calvin Ridley gets a full year suspension, which is a longer suspension than Deshaun Watson is going to get. Deshaun Watson is going to get one year of paid leave and some sort of suspension for part of next season. So Calvin Ridley gets a longer suspension because that's something that's integral to the NFL and competitive balance and the side of the league. So just the unfortunate part for Calvin Ridley, I mean, we can have the conversation that everyone is going to have, which is the... Calvin Ridley shouldn't be getting suspended a full season for gambling on games. Yes, of course he should not be getting suspended a full year for gambling on games. Of course that is the case. But if you're really concerned about the competitive integrity of the NFL, which the NFL definitely cares about that. By the NFL, I mean the the power structure in the NFL, meaning the 32 owners which is essentially what the NFL is, leadership in the NFL is way more concerned with that as a scandal than, the, uh, the, than say, Deshaun Watson uh, sexually harassing and potentially sexually assaulting 22 women in the state of Texas. Like, that is a way bigger issue for the NFL because that one impacts the bottom line. Deshaun Watson having a scandal doesn't impact the bottom line financially of the NFL quite the way that, hey, players are gambling on games and can change results of games as we take all this gambling money and sport people who root for sports want the illusion of competitive integrity. That is more detrimental to the NFL than anything else. So we can have the obvious conversation about that, but I don't want to do that. I want to talk about this from the Calvin Ridley standpoint because I feel so bad for Calvin Ridley. So bad for Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley just placed bets just like the rest of us would, which is, again, Calvin Ridley, who made, I believe, $6 million last year. Calvin Ridley is gambling like the equivalent of a person making, I believe, 80... Let's do the simple conversion. So we're talking about $60,000. If someone makes $60,000 a year, that person is essentially making a $15 bet for a person making six. Hundred or sixty thousand dollars a year. That is a fifteen dollar bet that Calvin Ridley made. But he has to be the example for the NFL, and so he gets a full year suspension. The crime does not fit the punishment, but we also understand why the NFL decided that they need to do this. Now, do I agree with it? No, because I don't think competitive integrity is that important that Calvin Ridley needs to lose an entire year of his career over competitive integrity. The morals of the NFL are incredibly, incredibly flexible and curtailing to what the bottom line is for the NFL. Yes, that is absolutely the case, but Calvin Ridley just got really, really unlucky. And Calvin Ridley 
getting really unlucky with having been discovered and having to be the poster child for being suspended a full season is just you make a mistake and you don't get a second chance. And that happens all the time. Sometimes, you know, Calvin Ridley makes a mistake and all of a sudden he, he you know, it's like, oh, you don't do it again. And he's like, yeah, sure. I, I, you know, this was a mistake on my part. This is just, I made a bet and now I am suspended for a season because I didn't realize just how big the punishments were for NFL players who, by the way, he had stepped away because he, he stepped away from his job and millions of dollars in that month over you know, his mental health and just general, like, not being in a fit position to play, according to his statement. So, there's already probably a lot weighing on his mind. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but something is weighing on his mind that he is not at the forefront of his focus when he's deciding to place a bet. Like, it's not something that you're thinking about actively is, oh no, I need to be careful about this because everyone else who's not Calvin Ridley gambles on games. If you're a team executive in the NFL, you can gamble on games. I mean, not really, but you can gamble on games and get away with it. If you own an NFL team, you can gamble on games. Well, you can't, but you know, you can get away with it. If you are any fan and you're any executive working in the league office, you can gamble on games. It's just that people who have an active participation in the results cannot gamble on games. And by the way, for good reason, if the NFL is very much concerned about the competitive integrity of the game. And I know that saying competitive integrity sounds obvious, is that of course the NFL should be concerned about competitive integrity, right? Well, what if the answer was no? Not saying the answer is no, but just consider a scenario where the answer was no. I used to say the same thing all the time, is of course, of course, of course, of course, sports leagues should be aggressive and care about the competitive integrity of their sports. And then the Houston Astros scandal happened. I'm like... Well, maybe we're taking this all a little too seriously. Maybe we all care a little too much about the competitive integrity of sports. And this kind of applies to the same situation here. Calvin Ridley gambling on games is not exactly changing the competitive integrity of the sport. It's just that Calvin Ridley needs to be the precedent set to deter other people from potentially getting involved in sports gambling money as Adam Schefter's about to sign with Caesars possibly for $10 million a year. Just don't let the players and don't let the participants take gambling money or wager on games. And so all of this is incredibly, incredibly unlucky for Calvin Ridley. And I don't know what Calvin Ridley's mental health situation is at this point in time. I'm inclined to believe that if he says I need to stop playing for my own health, I'm inclined to believe that there are legitimate reasons. I'm not exactly sure what the legitimate reasons are, and neither is it my business or for it to be public for any of us to know shit about Calvin Ridley. Only when Calvin Ridley isn't playing for a shitty Atlanta Falcons team, do we care about what Calvin Ridley's mental health situation is? If Calvin Ridley had played all these games, no one's asking about Calvin Ridley's mental health situation. So this has to be incredibly daunting for him. He gets the year off and the Falcon, he'll still be a Falcon at the end of all of it. But man, this has got to be just a bummy mistake for for Calvin Ridley not calling Calvin Ridley a bum I'm saying like a bummer mistake like that's just a mistake where you don't get a second chance like betting the equivalent of a $15 bet is just one where you just didn't get a second chance on that one just 
unlucky, whoops, now it's going to cost you a year of your career and the ability to make millions upon millions of dollars. We'll talk more about this coming up later on. And now we're going to get to our friend Razor Rosenthal from the Razor's Red Zone podcast, which you can find on all of your podcasting platforms and from Beer Life Sports. And to transition into Razor Rosenthal, any chance we get to talk about the shitty Atlanta Falcons, I want to take the chance to play our wonderful parody song to We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel because this song is awesome. It took me four hours to make, and I want to play it as much as I possibly can. We're replacing all the events in the song with names of former Atlanta Falcons players. Harry Douglas, Arthur Blank, Dante Fowler, Michael Vick, Devin Hester Hayden, Hurston Caleb McGarry. Tack McKinley, Deion Sanders, Michael Turner, Grady Jarrett, Austin Hooper, Tevin Coleman, Tony Gonzalez. Warwick Dunn, Brent Grimes, Kyle Pitts, Des Trefont, Left Witch, Julio, Mascot Has Creepy Eyes, Darren Holland, KZ, Maddie won an MVP, AJ Terrell, Duron Harmon, Russell Gage, Vic Beasley. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We're always flying and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We keep blowing leads, but we try to fight it. Steven Jackson, Jalen Mayfield, Dan Quinn, and Shanahan, Jeff, George, Jake, Matthews, Fabian, Moreau, Mike Davis, Ito Smith, Devonta Freeman's Pro Bowl, Jock Keys, Rogers, Asante, Samuel, Young Way, Dean Pease, Mike Smith had a winning team, Henry Crockett, Petrino, Calvin Ridley, Jaden Graham, Deion Jones, Tajay Sharp, Daryl is a running back, Chris Lindstrom, D'Angelo Hall, some dude names Zacchaeus, we're the Atlanta Falcons. We're always flying and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We keep blowing leads, but we try and fight it. Dirty Bird, bring it back. Roddy White and Alex Mack. Alford, Luke McCown, Super Bowl prostitutes. Justin Hardy, Matt Shaw, Atlanta Braves baseball beat. With an onside kick, Dirt Cutter's an idiot. Corey Peters, Richie Grant, Chris Chandler, Paul Warlow, Lee Smith, Jay Brown, Super Bowls a no-go, Sanu, Brooks, Reed, Mike Pennell, Matt Hennessy, Dwight Freeney, Toy Lolo, don't score that ball, Todd Gurley. We're the Atlanta Falcons, we're always flying and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons, we keep blowing leads and we try to fight it. Fantastic. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good, man. Had a good weekend. Can't complain. How about yourself? I'm feeling great. Uh, I didn't watch any college basketball this weekend, but now it's champ week, so I have to find some way to get back involved. I had a uh, a calm non-sports weekend where I wasn't stressed about uh, about basketball games or franchise tags or things like that. So now in the next few weekends can be consumed by college basketball. That's why we're here today. We have a lot, and I mean a lot, on tap here. Yes, and we must begin in the most important place, of course, which is Sister Jean did win 
Arch Madness, despite the fact they were a four seed, and despite the fact that you named about three teams that were more likely to win that conference tournament. Sister Jean, at 102 years old, is going back to March Madness. Yeah, Sister Jean played well. Uh, we played Sister Jean, I believe, on just day one is the only only play I liked. Uh, Sister Jean uh, beat up on Bradley in that 4-5 matchup, played Sister Jean on the money line, paired her paired her up. I say her, but it's really loyal Chicago men's basketball. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. But it's all, but it's all really, it's sister Jean. We'll just call it, call it as it is. Uh, yeah. Paired, paired her up with Northern Iowa. We hit that easy money line parlay on, I believe it was uh, Friday afternoon, but a very difficult team to handicap. Uh, I, I don't know what to expect from this team. They had a great tournament in, in St. Louis and you know, they're in a good spot. They're in the tournament, you know, early on this year ranked, I think in the top 25, uh, almost beat Michigan State. I've had some bad losses. I've had some decent wins. So uh, just a uh, very, very difficult team to figure out. So are a lot of teams. But uh, Sister Jean uh, is going to have to rely on experience and not a ton of depth to get through the tournament. But uh, we, we've seen it happen before with this team. So it's just all really about matchups. Let's see who they who they get on Sunday night. So when we were talking last week, Sister Jean, I think, was in the first four out. And now they obviously get to be in the tournament from the automatic bid. Um, is this still just a one bid conference like uh, Northern Iowa wasn't going to make it without the conference title? Or is Loyola now a bid thief? Yeah, it's a one bid conference. I just don't okay. think Northern Iowa has enough quad one wins, even some quad two wins in there to to even be presentable as a first four out, next four out. I can't imagine Lenardi or Palm has them as a first four out or next four out or whatever you want to call it, last four in. Uh, no, I don't think Northern Iowa is going to make it. And if they had any case, well, Chicago and somehow a buck in the finals and maybe argument for Northern Iowa, but now Missouri Valley is a, a one team conference and uh, it looks like uh, Loyola Chicago. I, I, I'd like to handicap them maybe as a 10 or 11 seed. That's probably where they deserve to be right now. Well, as long as it's a one bid conference, it means we still have a chance for our beautiful, glorious Rutgers Scarlet Knights to somehow make it to March Madness as an, a, a chaos team. Uh, you said I think that that Michigan, you you had Michigan headed for the NIT, and, and yet I still see them on the. I think, well, it says next or last four buys, so I assume that means a ten line possibly. Uh, actually, uh, Lenardi has them as the eleven line. So uh, I ask you what to do with Michigan and some other wacky fun results that happened in the Big Ten this weekend. Yeah, I had Michigan out of the tournament, and obviously that was predicated on the fact that I really thought Ohio State was going to beat them, um, and I really think they were going to beat them pretty easily um, you know, th this Sunday, and I felt like that would have put them in a bad spot. Uh, but I was wrong. Ohio State uh, came out very flat in the second half after just dominating the first half uh, of play in Columbus. So that's good for Michigan. That was a huge win for them to put them now probably just off the bubble in, into the tournament as probably a 10 or 11 seed. I think you just mentioned uh, Lenardi has them as 11. Is that right? 
Uh, yes, they are an yeah. 11 seed currently. Yeah. Last well, that's four a good wins. That's a great win. It's a quad one win to go to Columbus and, and dominate the second half. I believe the, the beginning of the half, they, they, they went on a 15-2 uh, to run to really spark uh, this team. Now, this is a big game coming up in, in the Big Ten Championships because uh, you, you could almost say that Michigan beats Indiana and they are a lock, 100% lock to get into the tournament. They lose to Indiana. They'll find themselves on the bubble. So Indiana has a path here to get into the tournament if they can beat Michigan and beat Illinois. I don't think that's impossible for this Indiana team to do. I really think that Indiana-Michigan will be an interesting game. I think probably uh, the most intriguing game of the day. And because they are the are, they are on the 8-9 line, I would imagine they're going to be the first game uh, of the day in, in that tournament. And Kyle, you'll have to look this up for me. I, I, I can't remember if this tournament's in Indianapolis or Chicago this year. I know they rotate pretty much annually or every two years in the big 10. It is in Indianapolis and okay. Indiana plays Michigan at eight 30 in the morning, my time on Thursday. So. Yeah, that's how it is. Yeah, that's how it is. So I think that's actually the most intriguing game of the day. It's going to be the opening game of any game. So look for that game to be uh, really intriguing. I don't know if there's a line out for this game. Typically the lines will come out probably today. Um, I, I, I think Indiana's the better team. I, I just, I don't like Michigan. I just, I, I think, I just don't, I don't trust this team that much. I know they've had some great wins, um, destroying Sparty, uh, winning on the road against Ohio State by six, uh, but they did get blown out by Iowa at home. Uh, very difficult, again, to figure this out. Same thing for Indiana. Uh, I, I like Indiana here. I know it's an, an, a de facto home game in some capacity, but I got to say this, Michigan did blow out Indiana in Bloomington. So um, it, it's, it's difficult to figure out for some reason. I have a lean on, um, on Indiana on this play, but I'm not, pl- I, I'm not going to touch it on maybe an in-game play, but this is going to be a very short number. Maybe Michigan's favored by two, three points, but uh, stay away from me. Do you think that Illinois is the best team in the Big Ten? Because I see they're the one seed again. They're the defending champions, which I'm still baffled that Illinois is good at basketball, even though it's been two years now. It's still incredible to me that Illinois is really good. Uh, Are they the best team in the Big Ten at this point? They have an argument to be the best team. I think it's Purdue. I just think Purdue just needs to figure this out. They have the best team. Purdue has the best team in the Big Ten, but they're not winning close games. They are... Uh, they did beat Illinois, uh, so that's going, you know, that goes in their favor, but they did get swept by the Badgers, who they'll have to face in the uh, semifinals of the Big Ten Championship. Um, top to bottom, it's Purdue, but that doesn't mean anything if you can't finish games. They don't uh, shoot free throws very well. Uh, Trevion Williams makes way too many mistakes when the game is close. He likes to force shots. Uh, decent defender, but he just, the ball gets in, into the paint with Trevion Williams, and Unfortunately, there's typically a mistake that is made way too often in these close games. Purdue plays everybody tough. They beat up on the bad teams. Uh, I think Purdue is a team that has potential to make the Final Four and also has a potential to lose round one, but I do think they're the best team in the Big Ten. Who do you think is the best team, period, at this point? Because I know Ken Palm says that Gonzaga is way ahead of everyone else at this point, but who would you say is the best team in college basketball? We're going to find out in Tampa. I think if Kentucky can win this championship in Tampa, I think they're the best team in college basketball. But that's uh, that's a big ask because you're going to have to go through a lot of good teams. Uh, it's Kentucky or Arizona for me, Kyle. I'm going with Wildcats uh, as the two best teams uh, in the country right now, 1A, 1B. Uh, Gonzaga's backcourt um, is good, a little dicey. Uh, their frontcourt, obviously, uh, 
pretty pretty damn tough. The length that they have um, is going to be a, a a problem for a lot of teams. But I think it's Arizona or Kentucky. I think Arizona should roll in Las Vegas. UCLA or USC may give them a little bit of problems on a neutral. But uh, I like I like the two Wildcats team Wildcats teams the best. Well, okay then. I will take your word for that one, even though I'm tempted to just go all in with Gonzaga. It's such an interesting story what's gone down for them. Um, So I lean to now the Duke, North Carolina magic that happened in your neck of the woods this weekend, because I found that whole ending to be incredibly funny, not with, you know, Coach K just losing his last game as head coach. Um, but also North Carolina basically pulling themselves off the bubble if they were ever in jeopardy of needing a performance in the ACC tournament. They're now, I guess, essentially like the second or third best team in the conference. So I defer to you on anything and everything that happened in Duke, North Carolina this weekend. Well, the game was over if Duke actually puts together a a final two minutes of the first half. Duke uh, storms back and takes a nine-point lead with about 232 to go in the game. They don't score a bucket uh, the last 230 in the first half for some reason, um, giving Carolina some wide-open looks for Carolina to cut the lead to two. This is a major difference as far as uh, talent goes in depth. I am shocked North Carolina won this game. I, I think North Carolina is good. I don't think they're great. I, I think they're a team that probably now deserves to be on the seven or eight line and um, very capable of winning maybe one round in the NC2A tournament. But if they're on the seven or eight line, I just don't see them beating the likes of, I say this sounds pretty stupid, the likes of Duke on a neutral, even though they just beat him in Cameron. I, I think that game just had a lot of pressure. These are kids, right? And they're 19 years old. They're 21 years old. Some of them are even 18. And the pressure of that night, I think, really got to the Duke Blue Devils uh, as we, you know, got through to the mid mid part of the second half. They just kind of collapsed. I don't. I think Duke's really good. I have Duke as a two seed, and I think they're probably ranked anywhere from four to six in the country as far as best overall teams. Uh, Carolina cannot beat teams like Wisconsin, Gonzaga, maybe Kansas. I think Kansas is one of the biggest frauds. The fact that they're even considered a one seat is a joke to me. I I watched that whole game against Texas. I had Kansas on the money line and really felt pretty dirty about it because I just felt like Texas was the better team that day. Um, So to answer your question, uh, it was a great win for Carolina. It was kind of fun to see that whole uh, thing unfold with Coach K, someone that does not like Duke at all, to to see that party spoiled. I did love Coach K's um, speech, that impromptu speech that, you know, the Carolina fans got a, you know, a big chuckle. Um, You know, they they love the fact that that, you know, he came on and started bitching about this should uh, this should never happen. This is unacceptable. I thought it was great. I think that may actually be the fuel that Duke needs in Brooklyn to to win the uh, the ACC championship. They're going to come in as the number one seed. Notre Dame is the two seed. Carolina is a three seed. So we hope to see a Carolina Duke final in Brooklyn because Notre Dame is not that good. And I think that Duke will absolutely destroy them. And I think they'll probably beat Carolina. So I think the the best value play for me is, is Duke to win the ACC championship uh, of all of the conferences. I really think they roll through. And right now your price tag, Kyle, depending on where you shop, is around minus 135 for Duke to win the ACC championship. So I see now that both of the Virginia teams are back in the mix in an impossibly weak ACC this year. So uh, does one victory over a Notre Dame or North Carolina do enough for those teams? Or is it going to be we got to make a deep run in the tournament to become a bid thief? 
Yeah, I like Virginia Tech a lot. I think they're really good. I'm sure Ken Palm probably has them ranked pretty high because they've had a lot of difficult uh, opponents to play. Uh, Virginia just doesn't score enough for me to – I mean, they're tough. They're a good defensive team, but I think Virginia Tech's the better team here between the two. Uh, you know, can you go through the bracket with me? Uh, let's see. who Virginia Tech, uh, what are they seeing? All right, so – Virginia Tech is seated as a seven. They will yeah. play the winner of the 15-10 matchup between Clemson and your beloved North Carolina State Wolfpack. So they play Clemson. So they play Clemson. <laughs> so they'll, beat, they'll beat Clemson. Uh, they, they have to be Notre Dame, Kyle. That's obvious. I think Virginia Tech, in order to dance, will have to get to the finals. They probably don't have to win. And I think if Virginia Tech beats UNC and Notre Dame, I give Virginia Tech a very good look to be in Dayton because – they're a good team. I mean, they almost beat Duke. They've beaten a lot of good teams. They've had some bad losses, just like a lot of teams. Bad losses really hurt your resume. But I don't think Virginia's uh, a team that uh, should be in the mix compared to their counterparts in Blacksburg. So I like I like VPI more than UVA. And just to let people know, people are like, what is VPI? It's the Virginia Poly Institute, and that's the name of the school. That's the real name of Virginia Tech, the Virginia Poly Institute. Well, to fill this in here, the gap that you mentioned. Virginia Tech is currently ranked 29, according to Ken Palm, and UVA is ranked 72, there according to so, Ken yeah, Palm. I was right about that. There's a huge difference. I mean, this is a team that has played a better out-of-conference schedule and has beaten pretty good teams in the ACC. So again, I, I like Tech a lot more than UVA. And by the way, Virginia is the sixth seed, so they essentially have the same path just reversed. They play either Louisville or Georgia Tech, and then they play North Carolina first, and then they would presumably play Notre Dame or Virginia Tech in the semifinals. So both teams basically have the same path in the ACC bracket. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like GIT in this uh, in this matchup against Louisville GIT, the Georgia Institute of Technology. I, I think that <laughs> Louisville's given up, and uh, that's a team that's given up for quite a few weeks. They're, they've been in turmoil. Georgia Tech has talent. They just don't know how to put it together, but they have a very talented starting five rotation. I can't believe Georgia Tech is seated this low. I mean, they, they are a decent basketball team. The ACC champions from last year, obviously not the regular season, but tournament champions. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. I forgot Georgia Tech won the ACC tournament last year. That's incredible. <laughs> They're good, Kyle. They're good. They, they they actually are good. They just they just can't put it together this year. Um, they are they are a decent team. Um, I, I think Virginia is, you know, again, because their Ken Palm is so low, I wonder what other ratings are factor into this. Uh, I, I think Virginia is on the same collision course as Virginia Tech. I think if Virginia reaches the finals, then you almost kind of have to put them in as well. So you could see the two, the two teams face off in the semifinals. Would not be surprised at all if Carolina loses to UVA and Notre Dame loses to Virginia Tech. I, I think that's a very strong possibility. It makes it even funnier because I came on all last year. I was like, Georgia Tech exists to never win anything in any sport. And then they won the ACC championship. I've already forgotten about. Did they lose in the first round of the tournament? I feel like they lost in the first round last year. After They lost that. to uh, Sister Jean. Ah, that's right. Yep. yep. Georgia Tech did end up losing Eight, right nine, away. Eight. Yep. Eight, nine uh, game. Like I said, um, do we laugh about it? Georgia Tech was a good team last year. Didn't lose a ton of guys. They just continue to lose games uh, at the end because of uh, really foolish mistakes. But I, I have them beating Louisville, and, and I have them in somewhat of a dogfight on a neutral against the Cavaliers. 
Did Louisville actually fire Chris Mack? I remember something about that earlier this year. Did he actually get fired by Louisville? He was fired by Louisville in January. Yeah. So yeah. it's been a it's been a disaster ever since. Yeah, I had kind of remembered that in the back of my mind somewhere. It was like, really? That seems strange because he was the the big splashy coach that was going to replace Rick Patino after, you know, being a one seed for Xavier and making an elite eight as a so some lower seed, maybe it was like a seven seed, but I remember he was a splashy guy and it felt like things hadn't gone that poorly there. Um, so yeah, good for Louisville, I guess. Uh, I guess Miami, I guess Wake Forest is kind of the, the edge team, right? Like Miami and Wake Forest are both technically in right now, but they would have to play each other in the quarterfinals. So does, do you see one of those teams maybe going to Dayton or both teams pretty secure at this point? I think Wake Forest is in trouble if they were to lose their first round match. I think if they both play each other in the quarterfinals, they should be in. They have enough good wins, both Wake Forest and Miami, especially Miami. I, I don't I don't see how Miami doesn't get into this tournament unless they stumbled against their their first round opponent. It, it, well, Miami has a double bye. Do I have that right? Are they into the quarterfinals? Yes, Miami okay, is the four yeah. seed in the tournament. I don't even think Miami has to win a game uh, in, in Brooklyn, and they're they're in the tournament. And I'm going to go ahead and, and give my Miami Joe Lenardi, Ken Palm seeding. I mean, you 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 probably know it. I'm, they have to be on the nine or ten line. I mean, Miami is a Miami is a, is a sure thing. They have to be in this tournament. They have Miami as a ten seed, currently slated to play Shaka Smart's Marquette team over in Greenville. That would be yeah, well. That would be interesting, but um, obviously, um, a lot to a lot to unfold here. Miami is into the tournament, win or lose the game. I think Wake Forest has a lot more to play for than Miami. I, I think my I think Wake Forest can do themselves a huge favor by beating Miami and putting themselves a hundred percent into the dance. So that's a fun game to look at uh, as we approach. I believe that would probably be played on Friday in Brooklyn. Anything interesting going down in the Big 12 tournament? I know Oklahoma State has a weird postseason ban thing, so they don't even get to play in the tournament. But yeah. is there anything interesting you see over there? Obviously, two one seeds currently right now. I know you're not a big fan of Kansas, but two one seeds coming out of that conference. Yeah, and I was, and you know, I was so off on TCU on your show last Tuesday. I mean, I, <laughs> I really did not think TCU was that good. And I say that they go ahead and beat Kansas straight up, almost beat Kansas a few days later. Uh, they, you know, they got Kansas twice last week, uh, almost beating them in um, in Lawrence. So yeah, TCU is an interesting story. The TCU Texas game probably doesn't have a ton of meaning, right? They're both in, they're both secure. Um, Iowa State is probably the only team playing for their lives. Um, Iowa State, I assume, plays Texas Tech. Is that right? That is correct. 6-3 yeah, so matchup. That's the most intriguing matchup because every the, the top five seeds are in. It's a good conference. Iowa State um, may be in. I mean, I, they, they probably are in because they've had, they've had some great wins. You know, it's funny. Iowa State was getting blown out by Baylor, and I think they did themselves a favor uh, as far as, you know, what if you look at scores, if that even matters, because they I think they were down by 20 something points at one point. They actually covered the number, may have lost by only seven in Waco. So Iowa State, as good as TCU, in my opinion, when it comes to resume, they both I I would assume are on on that nine, eight bubble. Um, So you know, can Iowa State lose to Texas Tech and still make the tournament? Yes. Um, If they beat Texas Tech, they are a sure thing. So probably the most intriguing matchup there will be Iowa State versus 
Texas Tech if that if that matchup happens, uh, which I assume it's already set. They don't have to. Uh, Iowa does Iowa State have to play anyone before Texas? They do not because okay. there are only nine teams in the Big Twelve yeah, tournament so, this year. Yeah, so they're 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 good. Uh, yeah, I mean, so it's funny you mentioned like there's not a whole lot to to be excited about. You know, unlike that Indiana Michigan matchup where, you know, the winner is in very good shape. The loser will Indiana loses, they're out. But Michigan loses, they're going to be really watching that bubble on Sunday afternoon. So um, who's going to win that tournament is probably the most intriguing thing. I mean, Kansas does really well in these events in, in Kansas city. They, they, they seem to win this conference championship, you know, 80% of the time in a, in a 15 year, you know, window. Um, I like Baylor. I think Baylor is the better team uh, than, than, than KU, uh, especially on a neutral, although that, that Kansas city crowd will be about 85% KU rock chalk Jayhawk. But I just don't trust this Kansas team. They they go way too long without scoring. That's their one major problem, Kyle. They, they will go minutes upon minutes without putting the ball in the basket, and you just can't do that against really good teams. So to update a couple things you mentioned, Iowa State is a nine seed right now, according to our buddy Lenardi. They would play an eight-nine against North Carolina. TCU is an eight seed, and they would play the nine seed San Diego State Aztecs. I had to weave that in there somehow to mention San Diego State. Uh, And then after that is Oklahoma as the seven and Oklahoma's got no chance of making the tournament. So uh, it looks like everything is pretty secure after Iowa State in the Big 12. And we're all just kind of hoping for a Baylor Kansas championship game matchup because it'll be one of those few must watch college basketball games during champ week, other than championship games, which have stakes anyways, like the Sun Belt championship. But, you know, that, that a true top five matchup for the championship, I'm sure would be fun to watch for everyone. You know, you, know, you just mentioned San Diego State, so it's a good transition into the Mountain West, which I think is going to be a really fun final four potentially there in Las Vegas. I mean, because, you know, Wyoming is now the team that you know, was, I think, a lock to get into the NCAA tournament two weeks ago. Maybe they are now. I don't know. I mean, you would know better than I would when it comes to looking at the, I I just don't look at these guys, you know, Lenardi and Palm as religiously as a lot of people do. I'll look on it maybe once a week out of curiosity, but man, Wyoming has trended down a little bit. So Wyoming loses to UNLV. They're out for sure. They will not enter the field of 68. Then they're going to get a chance to likely play Boise State in the semifinals and I cannot wait to see that game on a neutral and I cannot wait to see uh, San Diego State potentially play Colorado State but San Diego State versus Fresno uh, to me is a very intriguing matchup I mean Fresno will obviously beat San Jose State you and I can probably go out there and find three guys on the street and maybe beat San Jose State (laughs) so I I like I like the Aztecs and 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 the Rams uh, squaring off and I love the Cowboys and uh, and Boise State, the Broncos in the Final Four. I think that is one of the most intriguing possible Final Fours in conference play this weekend. I'm so glad that you brought up the lore of San Jose State in in the Mountain West because for people who re- love Mountain West sports like I do, um, San Jose State is basically just a punchline. Except for one year, they just magically won in the middle of the pandemic the football championship in the Mountain West, and I was just very confused how that happened. But uh, yeah, the San Jose State Spartans have not made the uh, not made March Madness since 1996. 
Now, and in that game, they played one seed Kentucky and lost by a whopping 38 points. So San Jose State basketball, bit of a punchline. The Aztecs are the three seed in the tournament, which every year no one wants to be the three seed in the Mountain West tournament because it means all your games start at like 930 at night on the West Coast for some reason. So that's a tough break, I guess, for the Aztecs is that they're at the back end of the bracket. But you're right. This is a bid for a four team conference as long as Wyoming takes care of business. Yeah, Wyoming has to beat UNLV. Let me ask you a question, Kyle. If you had to put up $500, but I'm going to pay you back $500,000, would you put that $500 down on San Jose State to win the Mountain West Conference Championship? Or would you just be burning? A, $500 is a lot of money for most people. Uh, what are you doing with that ticket? You're going to, you're going to pass or you're going to take it? I will never bet on San Jose State on anything. Like, okay. yes, they, they won that one conference championship in football, but San Jose State exists to be terrible at sports. They are like the New York payout. Jets of the Mountain West. I'm giving you a huge payout, but you're going to take a pass. I'm going to take a pass on, on San Jose State just making the championship. There's no chance San Jose State can do anything. But I said that about Georgia Tech last year, and I got burned. And we said that about TCU, and we're getting burned by TCU. So you know what? Watch San Jose State go win the conference championship somehow. I think I think the two teams you mentioned are far superior to uh, to San Jose State. But you're right. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't play that bet for $500 to win $500,000. There's just no chance they get through Fresno State. I don't know the line, but I would imagine that Fresno State line on a neutral has to be about 14 and a half. That's a that's a bad San Jose State team. San Jose State exists to be a punchline. You could tell me San Jose State was terrible at basketball this year and I hadn't watched a single game. I'd just be like, yeah, that that checks out. San Jose State's always bad at every sport. <laughs> it's just they exist at the bottom of the Mountain West. They were one of those um, holdovers when the WAC transitioned into yeah. the Mountain West with like five of their teams back in the magical conference realignment of 2011. And San Jose State's been terrible ever since, except in 2020, where they just somehow won the Mountain West football championship. And I didn't understand how any of it happened. And that's yeah. just been San Jose State for 10 years. Terrible at football, terrible at basketball. And San Jose State, didn't they get run out of the gym? Um in that football game, was it in the Arizona Bowl against Ball State? I, I like to use the word run out of the gym no matter what sport it is. Um, <laughs> I think it was the New Mexico Bowl or it was somewhere in the southwest in Ball State. And Ball State was a huge underdog, by the way, against San Jose State, and they just destroyed them. Uh, okay, I would like to just read off San Jose State's history as a football program. So they uh, back when they were in the, uh, in the WAC in the 90s, they were – Fourth out of se- there are seven teams in their division. They were fourth, fifth, seventh, fourth. Then they transitioned to the WAC full time. They finish out of a conference of 10 teams, eight, fourth, eighth, tenth, sixth, a third place finish in 2006. Shout out Dick Tomey. Then sixth, sixth, ninth, ninth, fourth. Mike McIntyre was there before he ended up going to Colorado and they did have one really good season there, their last year in the whack. Then they get to the mountain West. They out of six teams in the division, they finish fourth, fifth tied for second, fourth, fifth, sixth, sixth, 
and then miraculously first place in the conference. And you are correct. They did play in the Arizona Bowl against Ball State and lost by three touchdowns. That team, that program, um, never been to San Jose. I don't really want to go into what it's like out there, but just want to throw that out. Never been to San Jose, California. Yeah, San Jose's uh it's a place. It's a, it's it's a place. place. I have it, been uh, one time. It is it exists. It is a place. The coolest thing there is, I guess, the hockey arena. There's yeah, not sharks, much else there. Sharks have had some good times, yeah. And some really, really upsetting times because yeah. being a Sharks fan is is tormenting. It's like being it's kind of like being a Cleveland Browns fan in the 80s, where it's just you know the choke is coming. You know the collapse is coming, and then it happens, and you're just not surprised when it does. Although they did make the Stanley Cup one time and got smacked yeah, by the Penguins. They did make it. I remember that. Yep. So you look at me. I know a little bit of hockey somewhere, somewhere deep in this in this brain. I've got some old 2010s hockey in the back of my mind. There was a five year period I got into playoff hockey a bit. So, yeah. San Jose Sharks. Uh, that was a weird tangent there. Um, yeah, we're, to, we're diving into the weeds too much. Let's get away from this. Let's get away from San Jose. It, it's my type of podcast. It's that, it's Craig Smith, and it's laughing at TCU. Because, of course, you were right to doubt TCU. Everyone should doubt TCU under every circumstance. Uh, yeah, so SEC tournament. I know Kentucky. I know Auburn. I know Arkansas are very good. Is there anyone else who should be of note going into that tournament? Tennessee is good. I I don't think that Tennessee is uh, a team that can win this tournament because they don't play great defense. Same problem for Arkansas and Kentucky and Auburn play a little bit better on defense, but they certainly one of those two teams I just mentioned, Arkansas and Tennessee have chances to win. I think LSU is dangerous. I think Alabama is so dangerous and yet so awful at the same time. I mean, they, they have had so many bad losses, but this Alabama team has beaten uh, two potential number one seeds in Gonzaga and Baylor, Baylor at home, Gonzaga on a neutral. Uh, I just, I, I think, I, I think the team to beat is Kentucky and I, I like them to go down to Tampa and win this tournament, but I wouldn't count Auburn out, that's for sure. Auburn's had a couple stumbles in late February and early March, but overall the the Tigers are um, are a very good team, probably deserving right now of a two-seed. I would assume both UK and Auburn are two-seeds because they should be ranked between five and seven in the country. Um, I, I think it's going to be a very difficult path to, to win the SEC championship when you have to play teams like Alabama, Arkansas. So I, I find this tournament to be uh, maybe my number two uh, exciting tournament to watch. Uh, when it comes from top to bottom, it's the Big Ten. Mountain West to me is like the most intriguing Final Four. But like top to bottom, obviously the Mountain West is pretty awful. But uh, SEC and Big Ten are probably top to bottom, the, the, the best conference championships to keep your eyes on this weekend. No, the Mountain West tournament is like candy. It's it's like, it's like a little fun thing that you get at the middle of the night when you're uh, – when it's when you've ha- you've had a long day or you've been a good person all day, you get to go at eight o'clock at night, and all of a sudden you just get some crazy Boise State and Wyoming tied at fifty-five with two minutes left to go because that's what the Mountain West tournament delivers every year. It's that's what's going to happen. That's exactly right. And San Diego State, Colorado State will be at about thirty-seven, thirty-seven with uh, with two twenty to go in the game. So. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I think that that the SEC down in Tampa is going to be great. Uh, I think I think the the combination of 
the five and six seeds, the teams like LSU and Alabama certainly can beat the teams like Arkansas and Tennessee. And then those teams can beat Auburn and Kentucky on a neutral. So um, excited to see it. I like UK to win it, but long journey for the Wildcats to, to win this thing. What a strange place to play the tournament over in, in Tampa. <laughs> they get to they get to bask in the dirty river water of Tampa, Florida for the SEC tournament. We've seen the ACC tournament down there twice, by the way. Um, it's been a while, but Tampa has hosted the ACC championships. Yeah, I, I, I assume they're doing it in the hockey arena. So they have like a built in, you know, venue for it. It's just interesting that I think of the SEC. Florida is not the first team I think of when we go down to the SEC, but I guess the SEC encompasses like 12 or 13 different states. So I guess it's not that strange that they would choose to go to Florida or a moderately big city versus I think it was Nashville the past few years. They've played in Nashville nearly every single year, which is a natural fit for the SEC, right? Right in the heart of the Southeast, you have Vanderbilt, you have Rocky Top right there. And of course, just an easy airport. I think Kyle, what, what in order to get your fans to these conference championships, you need an easy airport. And I think uh, obviously Tampa presents that as a Southwest hub and Delta flies there as a hub. Um, and so did Nashville with Southwest. So uh, it's a natural fit for these teams to be with big hubs in the Southeast and look at Vegas. Vegas has become a, a huge hub for many airlines. Uh, Madison Square Garden has uh, obviously Kennedy and LaGuardia. So they, they, they have to be smart on where they put these conference championships. Yeah. And then the ACC took Brooklyn just right yep. next door. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And Greensboro is not easy to get to, but Greensboro just has so much ACC tradition that it's, it's very difficult to, um, to take it away. Uh, I highly re- listen when the ACC is back in Greensboro and when the ACC is back, as far as level of competition, that is a bucket list event. Uh, if you love college hoops, because Greensboro a Coliseum is a very unique old school venue that embraces tradition and has a very cool vibe to it. I've been to that venue for the ACC championships, maybe eight or nine times here in my life. And I think it's my favorite place to watch a college basketball game. I will take your word for it. If I ever do get the chance to cover an ACC tournament and don't go to New York instead of I'll go to the middle of North Carolina instead of going to New York for the experience of college basketball in the ACC tournament. Um, We talked about the Big East a bit last week. Is there anything to add to it? It seems like not much has changed there in the last week. No, when I came on your show, I said I love Villanova money line over Providence. That was a large number, but it worked out. We, you know, paired them up with someone I can't even remember. It's been so long ago, so many bets since last Tuesday. But uh, Villanova is the clear favorite to win it. You know, that's a little surprising as the number two seed. A, I mean, like a big favorite. I mean, Providence is plus six hundred to win this tournament, and Villanova I think is plus maybe one fifty. So uh, the books really like the Villanova Wildcats to win this tournament. I don't like the value of Villanova plus one twenty five, but I think they are going to win the tournament based on experience. Uh, Providence uh, is a terrible free throw shooting team, and I think that plays into these close games in the conference championships. So um, I think Xavier is capable. I think Marquette's they're all capable, Kyle, the big East tournament is going to be pretty intriguing as well. I mean, they're all pretty intriguing. I think the ACC to me is the least intriguing. Um, The big 12 is not intriguing because the teams are kind of in, 
thing, right? Like everyone's in and it's probably going to be Baylor KU and maybe that championship game will present some intrigue, but this big East tournament has some, some interesting storylines with Creighton, Seton Hall, Xavier, you know, they all want to win. They all want to secure themselves in the tournament. And you'll, you can help me out with this. I mean, uh, Seton Hall, uh, I, and Creighton, I think Creighton's one of those teams that's probably just in there. Xavier, maybe just in there. Uh, Seton Hall has to be in there because they just beat Creighton. So these are all teams just, you know, playing to get in the tournament, Xavier, especially Xavier and Creighton. Like they, they, they really need to, they, they need to try to win this game here. And, and you'll have to tell me if you have the draw in front of you, um, who do those two teams play Xavier and Creighton first round? In the Big East tournament. So yeah. we have Xavier up against Butler in the okay. first round. Okay. Uh, and then Creighton gets a first round bye. They play Marquette in the quarterfinals. Okay. Yeah. So, and then, uh, Seton Hall plays George the winless Georgetown team before playing UConn. Okay. So I think let's start with Xavier. Uh, you lose to Butler, you're out. Um, so a lot of pressure there for Xavier. I mean, they, they, they have to win this game. Uh, they win that game. They are now like right in the mix, right? They're a team that doesn't have to beat Providence. I assume Providence is their, their next opponent. That's probably the eight, nine game versus Providence on the one line. That would be correct. Uh, yes. Yeah. So you beat, you beat Providence. You're in, you're in, you're in as a, probably an eight, nine seed. Um, so it's a huge opportunity for Xavier Creighton um, versus Marquette. Do I have that right? Do, or Creighton is Marquette is the four yeah. five matchup. Yeah. So you're looking at Creighton with a massive opportunity to take themselves into a situation where they don't have to play in Dayton with a win over Marquette. It'll be fascinating to see what happens to Marquette if they happen to lose to Creighton. Um, you know, where does Marquette go on the on their seating? You know, right now, you know, Marquette. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out. They're they have have a great resume, great quad one. I mean, I'd probably put Marquette in the eight 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 hole, maybe. So you know, Lenardi they, has them as a seven. As a seven, okay. So if, if they lose that game to Creighton, yeah, you're slipping a little bit in the double digit life at probably ten or eleven. But I think this game means a lot to Creighton. They they, they really need to solidify themselves in the tournament and win this game. So um, some good basketball in Madison Square Garden. I, I think the, the the bad team that could do damage. The, the Georgetown of 2021 is going to be St. John's. Um, St. John's plays usually everybody tough. Um, give me an idea of St. John's uh, path in their bracket. St. John's is looking at a first round matchup against DePaul, who would okay. normally be penciled in as last place in the conference in a year Georgetown doesn't exist. Yeah. And then they would play Villanova in the That's second round. Draw. That's a tough draw for St. John's. You know, if St. John's would have had a chance to play like a, a Marquette, UConn, or Creighton. I think that would have been a, a, a battle. Uh, just don't match up well against Villanova because in order to beat St. John's uh, pretty easily, you have to have really good guard play, and that's what um, Villanova has. So I, I think that Villanova will, will get by St. John's, and then you're going to see the Johnnies hopefully maybe get a bit into the NIT. Um, I think they're a good team, and uh, just a bad bracket right there for, for the Johnnies. Well, finishing up this bracket here, what do you have for the Colonial Athletic Association Horizon League and NEC championships, of nice. course, because yeah. this is my favorite part of Champ Week is five games of teams. You have no idea who they are, but they're playing for championships. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to start with Horizon, I mean, it should be Cleveland States to win, right? I mean, they're they're by far the best team in the conference. They uh, they are they're a team that probably can do some damage. They they probably can can maybe uh, that's not you know Cleveland State. You've seen them on in the 
tournament before, like pull off miracles. I remember they beat Wake Forest when they were a 14 or 13 seed. So a uh, good team right there. Um, I think the biggest surprise is that Colonial Athletic Conference, UNCW, who has been awful, awful for years. Uh, they come in uh, destroying, I believe, Elon yesterday. So Elon down the road for me here in North Carolina, both, you know, North Carolina schools. Uh, Towson, the best team in the conference. Um, I uh, I don't really have a take on this, Kyle. I don't, I don't think, <laughs> no, I I've put you in an impossible yeah. situation no, to try I, and it's analyze a, It's a fair teams. question. I, I listen, I bet it all. I follow it all. I think, uh, I think UNC, I'm going to pull for UNCW because uh, they're the local school here and they've been terrible for years. And that's where we got our coach from Kevin Keats. And when I say our coach, NC state, who's been a pretty much a bust at, in Raleigh. Um, but he did come from UNCW where they danced. And then uh, ever since Kevin Keats left uh, Wilmington, they've been awful. So uh, UNCW has a chance to dance. Uh, they're two, two wins away. Well, yeah. What do you make of the, my favorite conference, which is the summit league, which is this year there's oral Roberts, of course. And last year they were the Cinderella team, but yeah. it's always the Dakotas, man. You cannot count out the Dakotas, every Dakota. Also, sometimes it's South Dakota. Sometimes it's North Dakota. Sometimes it's North Dakota state. Sometimes it's South Dakota state, but all the Dakotas <laughs> yeah. always well, find their way into the tournament. Yeah, and you have you have three out of four Dakotas that remain in the final four. Oral Roberts is not one of the Dakotas uh, based in uh, Oklahoma. I've actually been to Oral Roberts. It's, it's as crazy as it is. Um, I, I think it's San Diego, excuse me, San Diego State. I think it's South Dakota State's uh, championship to win. If they don't win this, this would be a very sad story because they have dominated this conference. Uh, losers of zero games, I believe, in the summit this year. Um, they should blow out South Dakota and then they will play the winner of oral North Dakota state. Um, I think it's, I think South Dakota state will, will dance and they'll, they'll get through the summer league. Oh, so they could be one of those 12 seeds, like one of those uh, mid majors that are the, the pencil in picks for an upset. Yeah, I, I can almost guarantee you Lenardi has Ooh. to have them on the 12 line because they're, they're a really good team. I mean, they, they, they just, I know they probably don't have a, a great Ken Palm. You'll have to look up their Ken Palm, but they just don't lose. You know, like it, I think the last time South Dakota State lost was probably in early January. I mean, they beat Wazoo. They're, they remember that they beat Wazoo in in uh, in the Palouse, which was a huge win for them. Um, they don't have a ton of great wins, but they just don't lose. I mean, I, like I said, if you look at uh, South Dakota State's record, I, I can't remember the last time they lost it. I think it, I think it was in early January, maybe. South Dakota State has a 78 Ken Palm, which is the equivalent of Colorado, Furman, Rutgers, surprisingly, yeah. and Creighton. Yeah, wow. Those are good teams you just mentioned. Um they're not, you know, yeah, they, they, they don't have many great wins, but they just don't lose. So you have to look at the last time they lost. Um, you may want to look that up, but we'll, we'll end the show. When was the last time South Dakota State lost a game? Because I can't remember. It has to be early January, maybe, maybe, maybe Christmas time. Uh, well, they have not lost a conference game. That part is correct. Uh, yeah. Their last loss was. Wow, I'm going way up here. This is a long time. It was December 15th. December okay, before 15th. Christmas. I'm telling you, Kyle, this team doesn't lose games. And they play some tight ones, so it's not going to be a walkover North Dakota State. I can tell you that. North Dakota State's going to give them a, a fits in that game. Oral Roberts, I mean, Oral Roberts will give them trouble, too. I mean, it's tough. Uh, you know, I, I think it's their, it's their conference to win, though. I mean, that's a lot of pressure, right? You haven't lost a game all year. And your only chance to get in the tournament is to, to win your 
conference championship because their Ken Palm ranking is so poor and they just don't have any, and I mean, any quad one win South Dakota state. I mean, they really don't. I mean, that, that, that Wazoo game was on the road, but Wazoo just, you know, isn't that great? You know, the number seven seed in the pac 12. So um, they got to win it all and they very well can. And I would probably consider them as the, the favorite to do that. So it looks like their losses are also to Alabama. No shame in that. Nope. Uh, Missouri State, which is just a weird one, I assume. It's not really you know anything strange there. And then both Washington teams. They lost to Washington and Washington State this year, which is interesting that I they happen to beat, play both of them. I thought they beat Washington State. Maybe they did. Let me go back and see. I think uh, they did. I remember, I remember that upset, and I was su- really surprised because there was a lot of hype for Wazoo to be the number four team. You are uh, correct. They lost the, the night before to Idaho, but they did beat Washington loss. State. That's a really bad loss for uh, for South Dakota State losing to Idaho. Yeah, this team has to win it. They have this is a one this is a one bid league, and um, I hope they do. It's a good story to to win all your games in the conference. Also, one of the games that they won was the University of Saint Thomas Tommies this year, which is a funny name. Also, I believe the home of Adam Thielen, if I remember correctly. Oh wow, that's right. Yeah. That is, that is, that's, well, that's impressive. Yeah. Anytime I see that on there, I just need to drop that fact in for some weird reason. It's just the only thing I associate with that school or anything in Minnesota that's division two basketball um, <laughs> or in that case, football. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else of intrigue before we uh, say sayonara for the beginning of champ week? Uh, I say to you, sayonara, I think we're good. We've covered a lot. Um, uh, big, Big opportunity uh, to do this show with you Monday or Tuesday of next week because Sunday night's a big day, huh? It is indeed. It is indeed a big, big week. I'm interested to see how some of the brackets break out. And obviously, there'll be weird results that get overanalyzed. So you can check all of that out on the Razors Red Zone podcast every day this week. You can get March Madness coverage with the link in the description to this episode. Yeah, we appreciate it, Kyle. And actually uh, moving the show partially to to the our Discord channel. So uh, follow us at beerlife.com forward slash Discord. That will get you into our Discord. I have a lot of great guests this week, and Discord provides that live show atmosphere. So, Kyle, I, I haven't told you this, but I'm going to announce it right here on your pod. Our show is going live this week. We're going to test that out. We're going to get an audience in there, and hopefully we get some good questions and not too many uh, jokers and spammers in there, but uh, hopefully we get some good people to come in. Again, beerlife.com forward slash Discord. You can find the link. You can sign up on our website there. Uh, We have shows today, which you won't won't hear because – this is a podcast and podcasts are recorded, but I can tell you our, our schedule <laughs> for this week, uh, Tuesday, 1030 Eastern Standard Time, Wednesday, 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time and Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Those are the discord shows that will be live. If you have any people that are interested, um, we'd love to have you over there asking questions and it'll be heavy college hoops centric as we dance next week in March Madness.